The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, May 26, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning here on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. We are live, and for those listening on the podcast network, we're obviously not live, but you're still listening, and we appreciate you, however you're listening, whether you're live with us or if you're listening after the fact, and if you are listening on the podcast network, you get some bonus stuff that the live listeners don't really get because Sean Brady spoke with him yesterday afternoon and it was a great conversation. He's going to be grappling on Saturday against Ben Saunders. Fury pro grappling should be a pretty fun event. And the man is looking for a fight. He said he's been turned down by not one, but two fighters in the top 10. He did not reveal those names, but he's uh, he's pretty frustrated. He's pretty frustrated that he cannot find himself a fight. He cannot find himself an opponent inside the top 10 coming off the biggest win of his career against Michael Chiesa. I know it wasn't a performance that he was all that particularly proud of, but a win is a win. Chiesa was the top 10 guy, and Brady is looking for a fight. And so many people ask about him. On, on to the next one and this show, what's going on with him, who's he going to fight, et cetera, et cetera. Try to get some answers. Unfortunately, he doesn't have any. And we probably, you, all of you listening probably know as much as he does right now. So if you're listening on the podcast, Eric, or if you want to listen after the fact, if you're listening live, you'll get that conversation. But here's the deal. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of open scoring talk. I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to talk about it. 
Not saying I don't want to ever talk about it again, but I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm sick of open scoring. Like, I don't need, like, at first I wanted it. I thought there was some value in it. But now just the more I talk about it, the more I just don't care. So I feel like if we just took a normal route to this program, we're eventually going to find our way into the open scoring conversation. And listen, this is the people's morning show for MMA fans. So if you want to talk about open scoring, that's fine. But this is not going to be one of those shows where we're just going to talk about open scoring for 45 minutes. It's just not going to happen. So what I wanted to do is I am christening this, this particular week, the MMA slash UFC slash Bellator. This is the all-star break. This is the all-star break. So today I am calling this the beginning of all-star weekend. All right. I know this isn't a formal thing, but I am making this up myself. I am doing this myself. So today on Heck of a Morning, I'm going to allow you guys to hop in. You can crown your award winners thus far through pretty much five months of the year. Almost the midway point. So if you have a, a nominee for knockout of the year, submission of the year, fight of the year, fighter of the year, etc., we will take those suggestions. Also, if you have – this is what I'm really looking forward to more than anything else. If you have hot takes – if you have hot take predictions for the rest of the year, for instance, perfect example, Jed Mishu last year, I said, make your boldest hot take prediction. And his boldest hot take prediction was Juliana Pena was going to beat Amanda Nunes and win the Bantamweight title. And that hot take bold prediction aged very well because that is exactly what happened. Juliana Pena defeated Amanda Nunes and became the Bantamweight champion. So, we're gonna, just going to have some fun. And by the way, BTL, we're actually going to draft all-star teams. We're not going to have a, 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 a battle. We're not going to do a one-on-one thing. It's going to be me, Jed Mishu, and AK. And we're just going to, we're going to draft our all-star teams for this year. So we're going to have some fun. All right? So let's get into this thing. And, of course, we can talk about everything you want to talk about. But let's just have some fun. A little... Can't have like a, a, a 90 minute show. My kid is uh moving on up in his schooling. He'll be starting third grade next year. And today's is the last full day of school for him. So 9 15 a.m. Eastern. Gotta go over to his school and watch that all unfold. And I I made a, a really tactical error being a parent because those who are parents that are listening right now, if you have kids who go to elementary school especially you know how difficult it is to get your kid out the door to actually go to school. Like when they're at school, they love it, but it's just getting their asses out the door into the school. So I told my son that, listen, this last week, if you go to school, you get up, you get dressed, you do your thing, you get out the door and you don't give me any shit. I didn't say that to him, but that's how I was feeling at the time. Then I will wear a suit to your graduation. Like, I'll wear a suit jacket, a tie, everything. And these kids remember everything. So this morning I go in, I wake him up, and he goes, hey, don't forget to wear a suit to, to graduation today. So I got to dress up in 95-degree weather and probably very little air conditioning. And that should be fun. But we're going to kick things off with Justin Moore. 
Justin, what's up, my man? How are we, Mike? How are oh, you? fantastic. Just got back from jiu-jitsu training and getting ready for bed in Australia. So, Excellent. Um, I've got a couple of spicy ones. Uh, my hot take is that uh, Volkanovski is going to finish Max decisively. Um, maybe I'm biased because I'm Australian, but that's why. I-, <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. I was just going to say, hmm, big, not really a bold take coming from uh, from a guy with your accent, but listen, I, that is kind of a bold got take a, going on finishing Max all got a dream, Got a dream big, mate. Got a dream big. I love and it. And my MVP of the year is, is um, Paulo Costa and his Twitter. <laughs> uh, why is that? I mean, explain he, it for those who don't Paul, know. Polo Costa is genuinely insane. Um, there's something going on there. I, I've been following it religiously now because the guy is, I think he's actually nuts. <laughs> I've just never seen anything <laughs> like it. Um, so, yeah, if you could just, if you could explain what the hell's going on with Polo Costa, that would be fantastic. Justin, you are the man. Thank you very much. Listen, you are asking if I could figure out. If I could dive into the mind of Paulo Costa and somehow form an, like a logical explanation for you, then I'd be getting like a Nobel Prize. I'd be, I'd be celebrated today. They'd be having ceremonies across different major cities in the United States and beyond if I could figure out the answer to, the, to that question. But, I mean, I don't think there is an answer to that. I like the, I like the spiciness of the Volkanovsky take, though. Going out there... I'm picking Volkanovski to beat Max Holloway once again. I thought he clearly won the first fight. And I know the second fight is one of the closest fights you will ever watch. The more I watch it, the more I'm confident in my in how I scored it watching it live. Volkanovski won 48-47. I mean, incredibly close fight. People talk about Holm and Vieira being a close fight and being a quote-unquote robbery and stuff like that. That Holloway Volkanovski Volkanovski Holloway two is the closest fight you will ever watch in my opinion, and it is a great watch, and it's a tremendous fight to go back and rewatch because it is so good, it is so fantastic, and it doesn't get enough credit for being so good and so fantastic. So, I would highly recommend, especially before this third fight on July second, go back and watch that second fight because it's amazing. The first fight is just, it's fine. Volkanovski just a great game plan and wins, but just seeing the adjustments Holloway makes from fight one to fight two, and then just seeing the adjustments Volkanovski makes in the second fight between rounds two and three and beyond, just incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. So first spicy hot take for the rest of the year, Volkanovski finishes Max Holloway at UFC 276. That'd be, that'd be huge. And it would definitely make the pound for pound discussion much more interesting, wouldn't it? I see you, Dana Spite. You're on deck. Julio Rivera. You're up, my man. How are you? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm great, my man. What's going on? Uh, I have a really good question for you. I wanted to ask you Tuesday, but if you had to pick five matches that you can make cross like all like different platforms like UFC, Bellator, what would they be? And then my other question is if you had to put all your money on it and you have to pick between Curtis Blades and Tommy Aspinall, who are you picking to win that fight? And I'm gonna Golly. and I'm gonna and I'm gonna listen. 
Golly. All right. I mean, you're making me think early in the morning. Let's see. How would I do this? I'll tell you one fight I would absolutely want to see. It would be... It would be Adesanya, Gegard Mousasi. That's one of them. Certainly one of them. Um, I got to think about this one. I gotta think about it. Give me some time. Maybe I'll think about. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll answer this like straight up tomorrow. I could guarantee. I mean, I'll. I guarantee you, Musashi Adesanya makes makes my list, for sure. Um, the other ones I have to think about. You could definitely do some really fun stuff at thirty five. You could do a lot of fun stuff at thirty five. John Lineker and I mean John Lineker against pretty much anybody in the UFC's bantamweight division would be really fun. I would like to see. I have to think about this one. That's a great question. And then Blades, Tommy Aspinall. If I have to put all my money on it, God, I'm leaning Curtis Blades in that fight, but it wouldn't surprise me if Tommy Aspinall won that fight. I'll put it that way. But I have to, if I have to pick one, like right now, I'm putting it on Curtis Blades. I I just expect him to, I don't know. I just think the experience, I think his wrestling, I think a lot factors in the big fight. Yeah, he's on the road. Yeah, he's in England's hometown crowd. But I think Curtis Blades kind of likes that. I think he's enjoying the heel role, so to speak. And he will certainly be the heel in that fight. So, yeah. I would go with that. But I'm going to go... Might as well keep this conversation going. If you guys are Jim, but we're just... We're talking, like, spicy hot takes for the rest of the year. Because I'm christening this All-Star Weekend for the UFC, for the major North American MMA promotions. I know KSW has a card. I know Cage Warriors has a card. I get that. I know. But... There's no UFC. There's no Bellator. So instead of just talking about open scoring for the next 10 days, I figured we'd, do, we'd have some fun. Now, there's not, I mean, no skills competition or anything like that, but at this point, we're calling this, it's not officially the halfway point, but we're calling this the all-star break for the major Polish because the UFC is going to be off and running. So we're just going to take really hot takes. Uh, AJ McKee, Max Holloway, I think would be one on my list as well. So I think there's three. I have to keep thinking. 155 would be interesting. I kind of want to see Patricio Pitbull, Michael Chandler again, if we're being honest. I don't know. I got to think about it. I have to do some do some digging because this is a really good question. I want to give it the, the justice it deserves. Mike Sveinson. Good morning, sir. How's it going today? Great. Good, you? good. All right, so here's one for you. Uh, one of these two people is going to join the UFC's multiple weight class champions list. That's going to be Valentina Shevchenko or John Jones. One of those things will happen in 2022. I like it, Mike. I like it. I think both of those are very possible. John Jones is probably the more interesting one because we just don't know when the hell he's going to fight. And 
you would have to think that the UFC, just based on the schedule, the UFC really wants this Sean Jones-Stipe fight. But you're, you're talking about two guys who are very difficult to, to get on the same page. UFC and Stipe have had struggles getting on the same page over the years. The history is there with John Jones, which is always interesting. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I fully expect that fight to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't. So John Jones, John Jones becoming the heavy, the interim heavyweight champion. Do we count that though? Do we count that as a two division champion? If it's an interim title, I don't know. We have to kind of play that one out. Valentina Shevchenko. I think there's a very good chance she fights for the Bantamweight title. That was one of my early predictions. AK's on the line. We do the uh, on to the next one predictions for the year where we take listener questions and we try to answer them, which are really interesting. They're basically buy or sell questions that are just all over the place. And then we try to predict our champions at the end of the year. And I picked Valentina Shevchenko to be the Bantamweight champion and the Flyweight champion because you have to think if Valentina beats Tyler Santos June 11th, I mean, what else is there to do? Now, the one thing that could get in the way of that is if Misha Tate beats Lauren Murphy July 2nd. But maybe that's something they could turn around really quickly. Like if Misha goes out there and gets a quick finish or something, maybe we could turn both those women around. And maybe Tyler upsets her. I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, it could. It's fighting. Two people getting into a cage. Something weird might go down, but I think Valentina has certainly got a very good chance to be a two-division champion and do it simultaneously and could probably defend both titles. I like those picks. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Toke Girding Jensen always likes to bring the spiciness, and this is the perfect show to bring it to. Toke, how are you? Fucking in the forest. It's very beautiful and stuff. I got very mad yesterday, but I'm not going to talk about the aerial uh, MMA hour because that's, that's a head's department. That's not mine. Uh, he's better on the soapbox than I am. So instead, I will go uh, with a hot take. And, you know, I'm very biased. I'm Danish. So, you know, that's what it is. But I will. my hot take is Mark Madsen will fight two times this year. Two more times, sorry. And he will enter the top 10 of the lightweight rankings. The only rankings that matter. 
the MMA fighting rankings. Wow. See, I like it because you, you, you were very accurate with the only rankings that matter, Token. I'm not surprised if you, uh, if, if someone was like, Mike, I'll give you $50. You tell me what Token's going to say. I would be $50 richer right now. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I will let, I will let, um, I'll let Ahead take on the uh, aerial being. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm going to say very very shortly. I will keep it short. I don't think that he's doing his journalistic diligence with actually treating each side of the argument uh, the same. And that's what, what was my problem with yesterday's episode. So, yeah. But I will let Ahead. Uh, I know he will talk about this when he comes in. I just know how ahead normally is. So I will let him take that. Thank you, Toke. I appreciate that. Yeah, here's the... The open scoring thing, it's like... I get where Ariel's coming from, and I get where a lot of people are coming from. I get it. I get it. And the Iaquinta interview... So just a little peek behind the curtain. For those of us who are kind of on the schedule for the MMA hour... We get the lineup and then we all sort of jump in and say like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay attention to this interview. I'm going to write about this, try to find angles for this. So when I saw the lineup, I knew exactly where the show was going, as it probably most of you, that we're going to talk a lot about open scoring. I, if for in those who have been listening to this show from the beginning Ally Quinta was on this program and we literally had the same conversation. We had the same conversation. It just was a little bit shorter. I asked, but I didn't really like, it wasn't a 30 minute conversation. It was like 10, 15 minutes. Al basically said everything he said yesterday and that was it. And Al's not going to budge. He's just not going to budge. He mentioned, I, I, I get where you're coming from. The open scoring thing, it's just, there's just multiple sides to it. I don't care anymore. I mean, if the, all the fighters come together, if they all come together and they collectively bargain and they collectively bargain and they come to a, 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 an astounding agreement that we need to have open scoring or at least open scoring as an option, then I will welcome it with open arms. But until that happens, I feel like we're just wasting our breath. We're just wasting our time with this conversation because it's not going to happen. Like I just, it's just not going to happen. And it doesn't really do much there. There's examples where it'd be like, yeah, it's kind of cool to see where these guys are at, but, I also understand where Ally Quint is coming from. The man has competed at a high level for a long time. And his big point is, Hey, if I go out there and I have a really good round and I think I want it. And I'm like, I want to at least approach this next round thinking, okay, I won the round. But if you're telling me that I lost it, like that stings. You only have a minute to sort of overcome that. You have a minute in the corner. You're trying to deal with your corner advice. You're listening to your coaches about adjustments that can be made, what you did well, what you didn't do well. And then you find out you lost the round that you thought you won. Like I get, I totally get where Al's coming from in that situation. And I also, I also don't like the fact that the judges could know, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. I also don't like the fact that the judges can know how the other judges score. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a judge and I've, score 10-9 for fighter B, but the other two judges scored at 10-9 for fighter A, half the second round, I'm thinking to myself, what did I screw up? What did I do wrong? 
It's just like the uh, it, it, and I compare it to a baseball umpire. Let's just say first base umpire blows a call at first base. It's a bang bang play. They got it wrong. And I know there's replay now in Major League Baseball, but you know what I'm getting at. Let's just say the whole place is erupting and yelling at this umpire. You suck. What a terrible call that was. At some point, that umpire's going to be thinking about that call, and they're going to make it up somewhere. I feel like that's we would have a huge problem with that with judging, too. Like, if we're flashing the score and everybody can see, and the other judge knows how the other two judges scored around, they're going to be thinking about that the whole time. Oh, did I get that wrong? Did I screw that up? I don't know. I, th- I think there's way more issues with open scoring than just saying, hey, let's just try open scoring. I think there's a lot of issues with it. But we'll see. Maybe someday. But I don't want to talk about open scoring unless that's what you want to talk about. But Toke, I get where you're coming from. Harry Lewis. Good morning, sir. Just make sure you unmute. Am I good? You're good, man. Okay, How are you? So I kind of, I know with the card in Singapore, I'm kind of confused where the whole Teixeira to, to, to Prochotchka is going to go. Because I think either one of them can win. We haven't seen Yuri's like jujitsu like in the UFC. I'm not saying it's bad, but we just haven't seen it. And I get, especially against someone. So I kind of want to know where is the MMA like, like, where are all the MMA f- fighting writers like predicting? Like, where do they personally, who, who, do, who do they, like you, Alex, or Shawnee, think will win that fight? This is pretty much a toss up. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's a great fight. Thank you, Harry. Now, for those who have been following my work since Mr. Teixeira became the champion, I have said from minute one, since probably five minutes after Teixeira won the title against Jan Bohovich, that Glover Teixeira is going to submit Yuri Prohashka in the first round. He's going to submit him in the first round because all he needs is one takedown and he wins. One takedown. That's it. One takedown, he'll win. Now, getting that takedown is going to be very difficult. Very difficult because Yuri Prohashka is a freaking animal. He's a madman. He's a maniac. But if Glover gets him down, the fight's not going to be lasting much longer. We saw what Dominic Reyes did. Dominic got him down, mounted him, put him in a really bad spot. And Dominic's got solid jujitsu, but nowhere near the level of Glover Teixeira. If Glover gets him down and gets dominant position, this fight is not going to last much longer. But again, getting that takedown is going to be difficult because Yuri is doing the right things. He's going to the right teams. He worked at Fight Ready for a little while. Fight Ready can change things very quickly when it comes to defensive wrestling and defensive grappling. But I don't know how much of a change that can make in that short a time period when you're fighting a guy as experienced and as tremendous on the ground as Glover Teixeira. Now, I know that there are many on the MA fighting staff who disagree with my take, but I also know that there are a couple people who are digging into the tape, they're watching a little more, and they think that there's a chance that I'm right. But I am know I'm making a bold prediction. I'm jumping on an underdog here, even though he's the champion. It's not the most popular pick, but I'm going with it, and I'm sticking by it. And I've been making that pick since October 30th of last year. But now I am honored and privileged to welcome in my best friend. AK, Mike. good morning, my Mike, friend. Mike, my best friend. Great show so far, as always. 
Uh, I was summoned. I mean, I heard, I, I just, I, I know my name was mentioned uh, I, 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 multiple times, obviously, but uh, about, about the Teixeira, the Teixeira Prohashka fight. So I thought like, oh, if someone's asked, because they were asking you like, uh, what does the staff think? And I'm like, that's a bit of a silly question to ask. Like, you can't speak for all of us, you know? Right. Sure. I mean, I have no problem with you speaking for me. Generally, we agree on, we agree <laughs> on almost everything, right? But uh, and even in the even on the uh, even on this, we agree. I, I, I've been pretty strongly pushing for to share being kind of you know overlooked. Um, you know, people just assuming like you know, it, it was like immediately after he beat Jan Blachowicz, people were like, "Well, he's holding he's holding the belt for a year. Time for a year to get that title shot and become the champ." And I'm like, "Whoa, okay, hold on." <laughs> like, their Yuri is great, but like we said, that 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 gap in in, in jujitsu is just so big. I think, as far as we know, anyway. Like we say, who knows that Parash could could be uh, could be like friggin' Damian Maya down there, but we just haven't really seen it. Uh, maybe I haven't, you know, my my, my uh, Parashka knowledge is not as extensive as it should be. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I think you know it's pretty clear Tashera has the biggest advantage here with the with the grappling. That said. There is a large athleticism gap, I think, at this point. This is putting, you know, probably putting it kindly, given their respective ages, given that Clover has never really been, you know, the most explosive fighter, though obviously a great athlete for, you know, for his age and, and, and for what he does. Um, so I totally understand why people are on the other side and just see, like, the first-round knockout for Hushka. Because as much as you and I say, well, you got to get that one takedown, it's definitely an easier said than done proposition. And while that's what I foresee happening, I could so easily see like one, one or two takedowns getting stuffed, even one takedown getting stuffed. And just like a 30, like Yuri might only need a 30 decent seconds on the feet to put, to put Glover down. So uh, I'm just, I'm just playing a little devil's advocate here because I'm, I'm certainly, I like Glover. I'm somewhat rooting for him despite him being a new England guy, but you know, what can you do? He's made his choices. Uh, I won't judge him on that. It's worked out very well for him. Um, but yeah, I did want to weigh in just because uh, they asked, you know, this, uh, it was Harry, I think. Harry was asking uh, what we thought. So there's my two cents on it. There he is. AK just coming in with the spiciness as always. And listen, I'm with you, AK. I'm with you. Getting that takedown is going to be very difficult, but all he needs is one. All he needs is one. And the fight will be over shortly thereafter. We'll take a few more. Joe, you're up, my man. What's up? What's happening? It always cuts out, Mike, so you always put the mic on, and I can never hear you tell me I'm up. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to comment that Andy Foster and New York Rick absolutely slaughtered or butchered Ariel in the open scoring discussion, and it it kills me as an Ariel fan that he completely disregards what the the debate. Um, And then I was really tuning in or chiming in for hot takes. I think the parlay of the year is Jared Cannonier, Lauren Murphy, and uh, Max Holloway. I think that that is the parlay of the year to make. That's my hot take. Damn, I like it. I like it. That is spicy. Lauren was here a few minutes ago. Would have loved to have heard her thoughts on that, but uh, I'll probably converse with her at some point before she fights Misha Tate. But yeah, there's a lot of people who feel like Misha's just going to run Lauren over. I I just, I don't see that. I think it's a very close competitive fight. I think it's going to be one of those fights where, 
I don't know. It's it's going to be one of those split decision kind of fights, I think. I think it's going to be a dog fight. This is Misha cutting down to 125. Lauren's been at 125 for a while. She's in tremendous shape. She's fought her ass off. She got her way to a title fight. She learned a lot from that Valentina Shevchenko loss. By the way, not to like pat myself on the back or it, this has nothing to do with me, by the way. And I don't like to like typically plug things that I've done in the past, but I'm going to do so here. If you want an example on how to handle a tough loss in a big time situation, go back into the MMA fighting YouTube archives and watch my interview with Lauren Murphy after she lost to Valentina Shevchenko. Just incredible stuff. Really incredible. It was so refreshing. One of the most refreshing interviews of my career. The, the, the honesty, how realistic she looked at the fight, everything. And then just finding out some of the things she went through during fight week, which she wasn't using as an excuse at all. But just overall, the way she handled it, and the way she joked about being in there with Valentina, the greatness that Valentina brings to the table. I mean, it's really refreshing stuff. It really was. It was incredible. So if you're bored, go back and check that out. It's really good stuff. Let's get Tristan in here. I know he's been waiting a little bit. Tristan, what's up, hey, buddy? Hey, Mike. How's everything? Uh, Good. All right, all right. A uh, couple of things. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, look, it looks like this is ma- this is going to happen. Um, Caitlin Chikagian is going to be facing Manel Perot on that September 3rd card in Paris. So I don't know. Uh, I think I don't know if that's been officially confirmed, but it looks like that's been added to that card. Um, be a great fight, though. Um, and then um, I, I guess my comeback fighter probably so far this year has to be Calvin Cater. The way he looked in January against um, Jakaze, I mean, it was just phenomenal. Shout out to Tyson Chattanier, the way he uh, prepared Calvin Cater and took his time. So props to props to Cater, and he's going to fight uh, Josh Emmett next month, I believe uh, June 18th. So uh, shout out to him. He's my comeback fighter of the year so far coming off that, uh, you know, hellacious beating by uh, Max Holloway. So good on kudos to him. And then um, just just your thoughts on uh, next week's card, uh, Aaron Bladfield versus J.J. Aldridge, your thoughts on that. And then as well as uh, – and then also Jeff Molina, um, his fight against, uh, I think, Zuma Gulov. Just your thoughts on those two fights. Thanks, Mike, and have a heck of a morning. Thank you, Tristan. Uh, I have reached out and asked about the rumored Chukagian Fioro fight. Uh, as far as I know, that is not done yet. That is being discussed, from what I understand, but it is not done yet. That is what the UFC would like. Clearly, Caitlin Chukagian set the table for that by saying that French chick. I think that's a great fight. I think that's a great fight. And to do it in France is the right place to do it. I like everything about it. From what I understand, that is not official yet, uh, but it is being discussed. Let's see. Calvin Cater, I like that pick a lot. I like that pick a lot, especially if he goes – if Calvin Cater goes out and beats Josh Emmett again and does it decisively, I mean, he's probably the winner. It's going to be really tough to beat him for comeback fighter of the year. After the Holloway loss and everything he went through and just getting back in there, the Chikadze win, fighting Josh Emmett, probably earning a title shot as well. I mean, that would just be gigantic. And, yeah, a lot of credit to Tyson Chartier for keep it because Calvin's I've known Calvin for a long time that lost to Holloway it wasn't 
yeah, it sucked to lose and he hates losing, but I think what, what sucked the most for him is that he had a, he had to wait. He had to wait to get back in the gym. He had to wait to get back and train. He had to wait to get back and fight. He had to wait so long. And Tyson knew how tough that was going to be to try to keep him sort of on the bench, on the sidelines. Like, just relax for a little while. Relax. Because Caters just just wants to go. Go, 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 go all the time. And Tyson did a great job keeping him in line. And Tyson's just a great coach, a great manager. Keeps a very small circle. That's why... Their team's very small. You got Cater and Font, and you got a couple other guys. Like, I know his management stable is a little bit larger, but with that cartel, they got up-and-coming fighters like Tom Pagularulo and, um, and some others as well, but they just do such a great job over there. So I can't wait for that Cater-Emmett fight. I don't think that's being talked about enough. There's a lot on the line in that fight. I really love it, and if Cater wins, yeah. I like I like him for uh, front runner for comeback fighter of the year for sure. Let's get Terrence Leverett in the building. Terrence, hello. What's up, buddy? Hey, so um, <clears throat> I had more or less not necessarily hot takes, but um, just wanted to remind people the fighter of the year, not the fighter of the year, excuse me, the knockout of the year, Blue Somali. And um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is what will bring back tough, um, and I think it belongs in Asia. So when it comes to tough, <clears throat> I think the 105 division is the future. The last good season, in my opinion, was the 115 introduction, and I think going over to Asia and recruiting 105ers would be great. And another idea that I haven't fleshed out is tough gym wars, where like you have smokers or something like that in the gym, and more or less you have somebody come over from another gym, let's say, for example, American top team in Stanford MMA, you have somebody come over from another gym, like, hey, I want to challenge your person to get into the house. And I think that will introduce people to all these different gyms across the country, and that will reunite the love of them. I don't know. It's just my thought that I wasn't able to make. Thank you, Terrence. And uh, thank you for trying to fix the Ultimate Fighter. And... I mean, listen, here's the thing. We, we talk about open scoring and all that stuff. Fixing the ultimate fighter is actually easier to do, but seems more impossible than Im- implementing open scoring. Just do something fun with the ultimate fighter. Try, try. I talked to Sean Brady yesterday, and if you're listening to the podcast, you'll hear that a little later. He had a freaking teammate on the show, and he could only watch one episode of it. His freaking teammate was on the show. He watched one episode. What does that tell you? He didn't go back and watch again. He's in no hurry to watch again. He had a freaking teammate on the show, and he didn't want to watch it. Do something. You want to do some gym wars? That'd be kind of cool. They pick like <laughs> they pick like sixteen fighters or whatever, and they could just go to the other gym and just challenge the other fighter that's on there. That'd be awesome. And can we not do basketball jerseys anymore? Because that'd be cool too. I mean, what? And I kind of like. I kind of like the 105 idea. I think that'd be great. I don't know how, how much of a hurry the UFC would be to add another division, but you add a 105 division, maybe Laura Sanko competes in that. That'd be cool. Something fresh, something different. I don't know. Tough needs a lot of help, but luckily the Contender Series is coming back and hopefully we kind of veer back to 
season one of contender series where not every single person who wins a fight gets a contract. I don't, I don't, my hopes are not high for that, but I would like for that to happen. We're a little tougher. We're a little more lenient. We're a little more strict with who we give contracts to. Patrick, you are up and then we'll go to uh, sweet Pete MMA and then we'll go to Brian to wrap things up. Patrick, what's up? Patrick, I don't hear you. Oh, wait a minute. How about now? All right, try again if we can get you. Sweet Pete. Are you there, Sweet Pete? Can you hear me? All right. Try again if uh, we can't get you in. Sometimes it's internet connections and all sorts of silliness. Indigo. Two in a row, huh? We got yeah. you. What's up? I'm glad you could squeeze me in. Um, I just uh, Sam Alvey got a fight booked again uh, somehow. <laughs> um, I'm probably the opposite of a Sam Alvey fan, just to keep it PG. Um, but is this like kind of a I might sound a little crazy saying this, but potentially a winnable fight for him. Oleg Shaychuk's like, he's good, but I mean, what has he lost? He's lost three out of, or yeah, three out of his last five. Um, and he hasn't really blown me away. Uh, do you, is this his, is this Alvy's last fight? Can this please be Alvy's last fight? <laughs> Thank you, Indigo. Yes, he is fighting. Uh, he is welcoming Mikhail Olegzaychek to the middleweight division, which a lot of people have been saying this is the place he should should have been for a long time. Kind of an undersized 205-er. I like, yeah, Olegzaychek is just a fun guy to watch. He just brings it. He just comes forward. He gives zero Fs about anything and just gets after it. And I, I like watching this guy fight. I think him at 185 is going to be really interesting. If Sam can just slow him down, if Sam can take it to the ground, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. I don't know how he's going to – how Olegzaych is going to handle the the weight cut to 185, but I feel like his size actually works out just fine to do it. So I like the fight. Sam, I don't know. I don't know how many fights he has left in his deal from what I – from what he's saying, the UFC is going to let him fight it out, whatever that is. I don't know if it's one fight or two fights, but – I don't know. I don't know. Sam's such a nice guy. I hate to like disparage him or besmirch his name in any way, but hey, listen, the guy gets it. He knows where he stands. He's probably as surprised as anybody that he's sticking around and getting another fight. So he's got the wherewithal to know where he's at and how people probably view him. So, yeah. Let's get Brian Fairstein. With Clark Griswold, I believe, in your app. Yeah, that's Clark Griswold next to my Christmas tree. Got a nice uh, big cutout of him. I just have a question about, or on your opinion, on the women's strawweight division since we got the on a fight. Wins this fight, they give her another title Uh shot. Joanna is, can you hear me? Yep, I got you. You got me back? Okay, sorry about that. Um... 
with Whaley coming off, I believe, two losses to Rose, I think, were his last, her last two. Yoana uh, hasn't fought in a while, but she got that big name draw. She's probably the most decorated champion of the division's history. Uh, the Rose fight being, you know, a little bit of a snoozer. And uh, Maria Rodriguez, I believe her and Esparza fought like, two years ago, three years ago. And she already beat her. I mean, what what do you see happening after this fight? Do you think they give it to Andraj since she had that nice finish recently? Or Joanna wins? Like I said, she has the name value. What what do you think happens regarding maybe the outcome of this fight or, you know, just moving forward? Yeah, I I mean, I think if Joanna wins, she gets the shot. I think here's the thing. Like, what Carla Esparza has done has been tremendous. To, to come back from losing to Ioana the way that she lost, to get back to winning the title, no matter how you feel about the fight with Rose, I mean, it is, it is what it is. But she won, and she's the freaking champion, and life is good for Carlos Barza. It really is. In a lot of people's minds, I felt like she deserved the shot, but I feel like this road to, com- like th- to complete this circle, she's got to beat Ioana. She's got to do it. She has to beat her. I feel like the circle isn't complete until she does that because that was a vicious beating Ioana put on her. And I know it took her a long time to get over that fight, to get past it to the point where she didn't even want to talk about it. She didn't want to talk about it at all, but now she's going on Ariel's show and she's saying, I want that fight. Let's go. Give it to me. So I think if Ioana wins, they will absolutely make that fight. If Yuana loses, if Zhang wins, it wouldn't shock me if they did Zhang Weili versus Carlos Barza, but I would say Jessica Andrade should get it. I think Jessica's earned it. I think she's, honestly, I think she's the best strawweight in the world right now. I do. I think Jessica Andrade is the best strawweight in the world. Even though Carlos the champion, I think, I think Andrade would be a heavy, heavy favorite of that fight. And I think Andrade is in line for a big fight no matter what. If Yuana beats Zhang Wei Li, I think Yuana will get the title shot, and then they'll do Andraj Namajunas three. We'll put that to rest, and then if Zhang Wei Li wins, I think Jessica Andraj has a very good chance of fighting for the title. So we'll see. New York Rick anti open scoring. What's up, buddy? Maybe, perhaps. Twitter spaces can be a pain in the ass, as you can see. All right, let's try this again. Mr. New York Rick, we got to hear from your realtor. I think you agree with your realtor. Is that accurate? I, I, it clipped. I missed the first part of that, but whatever the question was, yes, I agree with my realtor, best realtor in the business, Ally Quinta. <laughs> no matter what you are asking me, the answer is yes. Uh, heck of a morning, Mike. Two things for you. One, I just want to say that caller, uh, Joe, from earlier, I really like the cut of that guy's jib. Um, just community <laughs> um, smart dude, clearly. Probably super handsome. Uh, just got to give it up for Joe. Uh, second question. Uh, second thing. Slightly inspired. No, actually, I'll say very inspired uh, by the launch of our colleague, uh, Jed Mishu's new podcast, Damn They Were Good. Um, I was curious... If you were stranded on a desert island and the only thing you could watch was the fight catalog, the fight library 
of one fighter, who is that fighter? Oh, man, that is a great question. Hmm. God, that's a great question. There's so many. Because you have, you have to weigh out so many things. There's there's exciting fighters. There's fighters you were, you grew up being fans of. There's fighters who all their fights were exciting, and then the tail end of their career was pretty rough. Because I have to say, the, the, the guy that – I watched MMA here and there. I got into it at times, then I left it at times and focused on other things. And when I was probably 17 or 18 years old, Ultimate Fighter comes on and Diego Sanchez. I was so enthralled by that guy. I just thought he was such a goofball and such a weirdo, but he was such a good fighter. So he was he'd be in the conversation. Just I mean, Yuri's just a great choice. I don't think he's gonna beat Glover Teixeira, but Yuri Watching Yuri fights is just super fun. You know, I'm going to go. God, this is hard. I got to think about this one. I'm going Shogun. I'm going with Shogun. I would just go watch his 2005 over and over again. 2005, 2006, those early years. I'm going to get all nostalgic. Learn more about Shogun and, and appreciate what he did for the sports before getting booed out of the building, which is a, just uh, just an awful shame. How dare you, Phoenix? How friggin' dare you? All right, we'll take two more. Sweet Pete, can we get you in? Just unmute, and I think we're good. There he is. Hey, can you hear me? I got you, man. I got a hot take. I think by the end of this year, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley is going to grant that rematch uh, to uh, Cheeto Vera and uh, be in the top uh, five in the bantamweight division. So you're picking with, him to be Pedro with fight, Munoz. With the fight of the year. Sugar Sean O'Malley is going to grant uh, Cheeto Vera, Mar- Marlon Cheeto Vera, a rematch, uh, putting him into the top five. You're you're breaking up, but I got you, sweet Pete. I got you. Uh, he's predicting Sean O'Malley, Cheeto Vera two will happen. That Sean O'Malley will. Is that funny? That Sean O'Malley has the power in this situation, yet Cheeto is ranked higher and has a better resume. That's just the weirdness of the sport sometimes. But I like that take. I think if Sean O'Malley beats Pedro Munoz, there's a very good chance the UFC goes back to that. Well, I could see that being. I don't know, because Sean does wield some interesting power, and he has a very interesting yet very intelligent approach to his career, where if he doesn't want to do something and he doesn't think something makes sense, he's just not going to do it. And if the UFC's pissed off about it, they don't care. He doesn't care. He does not care one bit. Because O'Malley-Vera would be a tremendous fight night main event. And maybe if there's a crowd involved, maybe if they did a fight night in front of a, in a sold-out arena somewhere in the U.S., maybe O'Malley would be up for that. It would have to take some more money, maybe a, a, a larger contract. But if they're going to run that back, it's got to be five rounds. It has to be five rounds, at least a potential five rounds. This can't be a three-round fight. This can't be just the opening bout on a main card of a pay-per-view, unless it's just the greatest pay-per-view of all time. But that's a fight night main event in front of people and not in like Columbus, Ohio, 
go back to Dallas or go somewhere else, go back to Phoenix and do a fight night card in Phoenix and give Sean that sort of hometown rub. I think that that's the kind of thing that will entice him to say, yes, let's do it. Five rounds. Let's fight the guy that I never thought beat me, but now he's beating great guys. But Bantamweight's just so interesting right now. I don't know what they're going to do. There's so many fun fights you can make at 135 right now. And there's other guys that are coming up the ranks right now that, want big fights or are going to have a hard time getting them. Look at Song Yudong right now. Song Yudong's coming off some big wins. Freaking Marab can't find a fight. Who wants to fight that guy? I was, it was very cool hearing Dominic Cruz mention Marab saying that this, these are the kinds of matchups that he's looking for. So if I'm Marab and I'm his management, I'm hearing that I am on the horn with the UFC right now saying, Hey, Dominic wants to fight August 20th on pay-per-view. Sign me up. Let's go. It's a race to fight Dominic Cruz right now. All right, Patrick. What you got? Mike. Patrick. How are you? Wonderful. What you got? Well, um, congratulations on the wedding anniversary. Thank you, sir. Tomorrow, big day. I want you to go for that performance bonus this weekend. (laughs) No UFC. Let's go. Um, And... Uh, I think that you – all right, so the Glover take, you know what I say to that take? What? To heck with you. <gasps> to heck with you in that take. You were just jealous of Jed's Pena take, uh, that Jed got so much glory for, uh, you know, picking that right that – you decided that you got to get on the other side of uh, of the funnest, best fighter in the UFC. Um, and, I mean, Yuri has forged his body into a weapon. He has sharpened his elbows into swords and battle axes. Uh, his feet are maces. Um, he is both a hero from an 80s, uh, action movie and the villain simultaneously. He is a, a Viking. He is an alien. He has an antenna coming off of the back of his head that beams spiritual warfare energy into him that he transmits into violence in his limbs. Uh, what else can I say about him? Uh, I, I like Glover. I think that's an amazing story, but he's going to get uh, retired. I'm sorry. Um, he's going to get retired. And Yuri has three rounds of pure hell that Glover is going to have to get through. And you, I, I'm not going to totally eva- uh, invalidate your, uh, your take that if Glover does get him down, they're dry in the first round. That is a good possibility that he could get submitted, but uh, I think Yuri's got some bounce, man. I've I've watched all of his fights, and he's hard to hold down because he just harnesses his chi. If any, you know, he he uses everything he has. He's a pure fighter, man. He's the best fighter in the UFC. I just had to come in with that, and uh, my hot take is that a uh, he will be the BTL champion at the end of the year. Goodbye. Thank you. By the way, Patrick, 
let me uh let me let me just say this. Let me just say this. If Jed Mishu wasn't on BTL and had to give that take, he would have never given it. So let me just throw that out there. My Glover take was not a take. This is what I said immediately after he won the title. Immediately. I said he was going to submit Yuri Prohashka in the first round. And I love Yuri. I Yuri's on that. I mean, if uh, the desert island question that New York Rick asked, if I'm stuck on an island, I have to watch a certain fighter's catalog for the for the rest of my life, and that's all I can watch. Yuri's in that list. The problem is Glover just needs one takedown. He just needs one. And getting that takedown is going to be very difficult because of the chaos that man brings to the table. But this is not this is not me put on the spot saying give a bold take. This is what I said immediately after Glover beat Jan Blachowicz. Immediately. So we'll see. June 11th, questions are answered. And Ahid is probably not going to be the BTL champion. All right. I got to get going, but I, I have to get Viking MMA in here. My kid's about to become officially a third grader. So let's see if we can get Viking MMA in here. Do we have you, sir? Just unmute. Maybe we got you. Oh. All right. Doesn't look like we have him. All right. So that's it. But luckily, we'll be back tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow. Yes, it is my anniversary. My kid still has to go to school. He has a half day. So I could do the show. I'm taking the rest of the day off, honestly. But uh, I will be back tomorrow, 8 a.m. We will do this again. We got BTL coming up 3 p.m. Eastern. It's myself, AK, Jed Mishu. We're, we're, we're dubbing this All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend. No open scoring talk. None of this. We're going to give the, the judging conversation and open scoring a break. We're going to give it a breather. And we're going to draft All-Star teams. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to have some fun. We're going to mix things up. We're going to take our minds, our MMA minds elsewhere. 3 p.m. Eastern live, MMA Fighting YouTube channel. And for those listening on the podcast network, my interview with Sean Brady coming up right now. Good stuff. You can watch Sean Brady grapple on Saturday on UFC Fight Pass against Ben Saunders. So that should be a lot of fun. And when is Sean Brady fighting in the UFC again? I don't know. But we'll get his take on it right now. Thank you all for listening. Have a heck of a day. Have a heck of a morning. We'll see you tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern. For those listening to the podcast network, podcast network, my interview with Sean Brady starts right now. All right, Sean Brady is here, ladies and gentlemen. He has been the subject of one of the more popular topics on Heck of a Morning. A lot of questions about what could be next for him on on to the next one. It turns out what is next for him is another grappling match this Saturday, Fury Pro Grappling against Ben Saunders. And while that will certainly scratch an itch, people are certainly ready to see you back in the octagon, my man. And I'm sure you want to see yourself back in that octagon more than anybody else. How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, like you said, uh, it's been a scratch and itch, but I really want to get a fight book. And I have people hitting me up every day like, what's next? What? I'm like, you literally know as much as I do. You know, like people who have who don't know anything, is, I know exactly the same. So um, I've been offered to people in the top 10. I don't want to say names, but um, I've been denied a couple times of um by by people so um 
it's just kind of I'm kind of in a weird spot. You know, I want someone in the top 10, the guys who are above me, they want guys ahead of him. So everyone's kind of sitting on their spot, essentially. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what's going on. We're in limbo, just trying to figure out who could be next. And uh, uh, yeah, but luckily I get to grapple this weekend, scratch a little itch, have a little fun, make a little bit of money. And uh, yeah, and then hopefully by then I'll, I'll have something, but who knows. Okay, so you were offered two guys in the top 10. You don't want to say yeah. specifically. You said yes, and then they went back to that person you were offered, and they came back and said, no, I want to fight somebody in front of me. I'm assuming so. We just, I know that they offered two people me, and we never heard anything back. So you know, I, you know how that goes. And listen, like, I don't, I don't blame people, you know. I understand how this game is played, like, even me, if I'm looking at the rankings, I'm nine. When I beat Kiesa, he was six. I don't want to fight all the way back either word. So, you know, like I, I, I get it. It's uh at this point it becomes like it becomes like a game, you know, you gotta make the right moves. But uh I just wanna fight at this point, man. I'm 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 tired of sitting around. I've been cleared from my injury for a little while now and uh I was hoping to fight in July. It's looking more like it's probably gonna be August, hopefully. So uh, I'm just hoping. I'm hoping and praying, but it's all good, though. I'm in the gym every day, literally three. Like, <clears throat> I have a grapple match this weekend. I grappled this morning. I'm going to go to striking class tonight. I'm still training as if I had a fight. You know, I'm working on working on everything, getting better everywhere. And uh, it, I'm just excited to get back in there and show the fans what uh, what I've been working on. Well, I am excited to just catch up with you because we didn't get to speak after the big win over Michael Chiesa because – you know what, Sean? You know what happens in my industry is that people like myself and people like the great James Lynch, one of my great friends in this industry, we're talking to you guys for years on the come up before you uh, see debut, and then all of a sudden you beat Michael P.S. Michael Kiesa. No, all the we, Johnny Come Latelys come knocking, don't they, Sean? You're doing interviews with Luke Thomas, Ariel Helwani, and I didn't want to bother you, man. I didn't want to bother you. But listen, in all seriousness, I was very happy to see that because that had to have been pretty cool for you. What was that like for you? Like getting some well-deserved attention, get the name out a little bit more. You were you were red hot after that Kiesa win. It's funny. Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, and I was talking about you and James specifically. I was like, these are two guys who always, like since I was like early on in my stage, would always hit me up, and I've been doing interviews with you guys forever. And because uh, a lot, like I have all kinds of, like not the biggest names, but people hit me up, like rant, like, you get the most random people. Hey, everyone wants you on their podcast. Like people with like three followers. So I don't really do much, but I'm like James and Mike. I was like, I'm always going to do their stuff. You guys have looked out for me when I was nobody. So I appreciate it. But yeah, after that fight, um, it, it got kind of weird again. You know, like I beat Kiesta. He was six. It wasn't my best performance. I broke my nose in the first round. Couldn't fight the way I wanted to. Shit happened. It's literally a fist fight. You know, anything can happen. You can't prepare for that. But then after that, uh, everyone was booked in, in the top 10. So I'm like, you know what? This is a perfect time. I'm going to go get my nose fixed. I got that done. And, and literally since the day I got cleared for that, I've been training. And we notified the UFC because it was right after Bilal and Luke fought. The entire 10 was wide open. Everyone, nobody had a fight. I'm like, all right, like right, I'm healed. I'm ready to get into a training camp. Like, Let's go. And here I am two months later. So still, I truly thought it was going to be me and Luke. Um, after he lost, 
I was like, he's six, I'm nine. He's still a huge name. He's he lost, but he's still, I think, one of the best guys in the division. And then I was leaving. Um, my dog's laying right next to me. I was leaving the vet with my dog, and I pulled up my phone, and it's Brett Akimoto announcing Jeff Neal and Vicente, and I was just like, "Fuck!" <laughs> and so, and uh, yeah, so, and that's kind of where we're at now. When were you actually cleared? What, what was it like a month ago, I think, or a little before that? Ooh. I had my surgery the beginning of March. I had to take off for about a month. But the cool thing about, so I only got my septum fixed. Like I didn't get anything like cosmetically done. So it's only like a month recovery. But after a week, they pulled these stents out of your nose. I was running, lifting in like five days. I just couldn't do contact. So I couldn't do contact for like literally only four weeks. After those four weeks were up, I was back in the gym. I'm still wearing a headgear like, being smart when I'm sparring, but I've been back to full training for probably like eight weeks now. And, um, yeah, I've been just, just every day on social media, seeing who's getting fights booked, seeing who's not getting fights booked, waiting for someone to call me, waiting for God to give me a sign, waiting for someone to give me some fight news, you know, but, um, it'll come eventually. How does it feel? Like, is it a, is it a huge difference? The nose and the breathing, like, does it feel better than ever now? So I broke my nose when I'm 29. I broke my nose first when I was 19. And I broke it like multiple times since then. It's usually never even in like a fight or sparring. It usually honestly happens in jiu-jitsu. Like people going for like just someone like spazzing out and like you get hit with like an elbow or like a knee. So I've got my nose crunched so many times from how you can see. But they fix the inside and I can breathe out of it no problem. So I do a lot of my conditioning now all nasal breathing and it truly like no bullshit. It makes a huge difference. I've heard people say like it didn't do much for them. It did a lot for me. So I'm looking forward to putting this sniffer to test. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put it to work in the octagon. So we'll see. So now you, but you are, like we say, you're scratching the itch. Ben Saunders, formidable uh, grappling yeah. opponent on Saturday. What yeah. is, yeah. what's the mindset like heading into something like that compared to an MMA fight or, you know, a UFC fight? I'm sure it's, it's vastly different, but what's sort of like the, yeah. the fight week mentality, the grapple week mentality compared to a UFC fight? I actually, I have to cut a little bit of weight. So, um, I'm not, I'm, I haven't started yet. I have to, I have to be 85 for Ben. Cause I realized how we were trying to find somebody and, um, Ben, I guess, reached out to them before, and so I'm like, hey, like, this was like three weeks ago. They were throwing it all together. I was like, I'll go against him. I was like, he used to fight at 170. He's tall. He's not going to be – I was like, let's just throw it at, like, 190 or 195. And they came back and said, like, he walks around at, like, 182, and I was like, holy shit. So we're doing a catchweight ball. We're doing it. We're doing it at 185. I'm, like, in the 90s right now. So I'll cut, like, five or six pounds that day. No big deal. Nothing compared to making 170. But like I said, it's literally – I grappled this morning. I'm going to go sit in the sauna in a little bit. And I have striking tonight because I'm not going to just do complete. I grapple so much. So I still want to be working on my striking and doing all my other shit because they're going to call eventually. And I want to be making sure all my everything's in, in line for my striking and doing all my drills and doing all my shit. So today, today will be my last striking class. Tomorrow I'll grapple cut a little bit of weight and then friday we have weigh-ins so uh it's super light though like i have like 10 teammates competing on it like 
it's going to be fun. It's it's grappling. You know, I do I do it every day. It's an eight minute match. Like it's it's going to be fun. It's in it's thirty minutes from my house. You know, it's in my backyard. My my friends will be there. My parents will be there. So it's going to be cool. You beat Craig freaking Jones in grappling. That's crazy, man. What's that? What was that yeah. like for you? Somebody who grapples all the time. Uh it, it was. I looked at the rules. I knew my attributes, and I was like, "Listen, I'm winning. Like, I'm going to beat this guy. <laughs> I might not submit him, but I'm going to use these rules to my advantage. I'm going to stay on top, stay heavy, not get swept, not get submitted, and I'm going to, and I'm going to beat Craig Jones. And I did, and it was, it was fun. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, beating him was a big deal. But now I'm going to go out. Like, I'm looking to. I want to submit Ben. So that's my plan. I'm sure he's coming to do the same to me. But I got eight minutes to submit him. Like usually in our rounds of jiu-jitsu, I'm trying to submit the person as many times as possible. I only have to submit him once, and then it's over. So I'm going to come out hot, try to submit him, and uh, enjoy the night with my, my team and my family. Like I said, we got so many guys competing. we got, like, younger kids. we got black belts. we got purple belts. So Fury's going to put on a good show for these actual jiu-jitsu guys to, to showcase their skills. So it's going it's to be cool. So – once that's over, we're gonna be we're gonna be on the horn with the matchmakers. Let's get something going. And you've it's been interesting because you were booked with Bilal at one point, and you yeah. know he's kind of rolling along now. Then there were the Kevin yeah. Lee fights on the books, and yeah. you know that those are yeah. there. None of those really came to fruition. And then just kind of looking at the UFC rankings right now, yeah, Mazdal he's a spot ahead. Might be a little tough with the legal stuff. Yeah, Wonder yeah. Boy's ahead of him. No opponent. Luke's booked. Bilal is there, Burns is there, Shamayev is there, and then it looks like UFC wants to do Usman Edwards for the belt, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with Usman, yeah. when he can go, when he, he's going to be able to come back. So what do you think makes the most sense here? Fight, I would fight any of the guys you just named. You know, like, uh, I know Wonderboy, I know that's not going to happen. He doesn't want to fight another grappler. And I got so much heat online for calling him out, and I'm like, dude, I'm nine. He's right ahead of me. Like, what am I supposed to do? Not try to fight a guy ahead of me, you know? And everyone's like, just let, let Wonder Boy go fight strikers. I'm like, this isn't kickboxing. This isn't Muay Thai. This isn't karate. Like, you got to fight guys who grapple. Your job is to not let me take you down. And you're like, for you to stay on your feet. And if I take you down, to get back up. So I'm not even touching the Wonder Boy thing anymore because the people have been roasting me online. I would love that fight. I would love the Bilal fight. I would love the the Masvidal fight. Uh, and then once you get ahead of that, it's kind of like Gilbert's high up there, you know. He just fought Chimaev. Like he, I've watched. I have so much respect for Gilbert. I think he's one of the best guys in the division. Um, he wants a big name, and I get that. But I would love to test myself against him if he ever gave me that opportunity. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. There's guys available. It's just getting them to say, yeah, and I get it. Like, I'm number nine. I'm kind of – I'm a little bit far back in the rankings. I'm undefeated. There's still some questions about me. So, some guys are kind of, like, a little iffy about taking the fight. But um, someone's going to have to say, yeah, eventually. Someone's going to have to get some food on their table. So, we'll, we'll see. I find that so bizarre that you got roasted for calling out Wonder Boy. It's not like you said, hey, Wonder Boy, you suck at fighting. Let's go. Like, you, it was literally, very respectful like, call out. Literally the nicest call out ever. <laughs> like, I didn't say anything bad about this. And that's not who I am, you know. And uh, it's funny. A lot of people tell me, they're like, you got to start doing this. You got to start doing that. You got to start talking shit. I'm like, I'm not going to, like, change who I am to get a fight. It's going to come. 
it's going to take me longer to get where I want to go. But I've been like that my whole career. Like you said, I've had staff infections. I've had fights fall out. I've had a lot of shit happen in my career, you know. And But at the end of the day, I'm still undefeated. I've won all my fights. It's worked out for me at this point. I'm not going to take any shortcuts. It's going to take me a little, little bit longer to get where I want to go, but I'm not going to change who I am to get a fight. Can you even, like, pretend to talk shit? Because if you came out in an interview and started yelling and screaming and calling somebody out, I'd probably text you and be like, what the, what, what the frig is that, dude? Because <laughs> that, that would throw me for such a loop. No one's, like, me and my teammates, all my friends, like, we roast the shit out of each other all the time. So <laughs> the day when it comes, when someone starts, like, talking shit, I'm going to, like, you're people are going to see it, and you're not going to see it just from me. Like, my I got, like, teammates who are, like, waiting to roast people so it's it's going to come i'm going to fight someone and they're going to be like a shit talker and it's going to it's going to get interesting online but i have to get someone to accept the fight first you mentioned your your team and your teammates your gym is crushing it right now you're starting to get uh you're starting to get in the conversation andre petrosky gets the win and he kind of got the ball rolling but people forget about you guys for some reason but you guys undefeated in the ufc right now with the the current crop of talent are they not yeah, yeah, yeah. It started off, uh, I got signed, Pat Sabatini got signed, Jeremiah got signed, and then Andre switched over to our team, and then he got signed and went to the Ultimate Fighter, and then eventually got signed to the UFC. So we're doing good, man. We got, like I said, we have a small group. We actually, our group's getting huge. Like, we have we have amateurs that, like, I've seen beat up UFC guys, you know? So we have some really, really good guys coming out. And that's how it was for me when I was younger. When I was an amateur, I was training with Paul Felder, Jonathan Webb, all these higher level guys. And that is what made me who I am today. So we got some really good guys and we got a really good team. And it's two coaches. We have Daniel Gracie and we have John Marquez. John Marquez doesn't get talked about much because he's not big on social media. Like if you follow our pages, Daniel's always on social media, posting a lot. John's like our striking coach and he's our MMA coach too. He's very behind the scenes, like, but he's a huge, huge factor in our team and um, he's doing good things. He literally, he lives in the gym. Like me and him clicked right away. Cause he's like me. We'll call each other once we leave the gym. Like, Hey, like we did this good. We did that good, but we can work on this. I'll be watching film on potential opponents. He's watching film on potential opponents. So we got a good thing going. And like you said, Pat, Pat's right there. He, uh, he deserves a big opponent next. He's 4-0 in the UFC. Not many guys are talking about him. I think he'll be ranked soon, hopefully after his next fight. So, uh, yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. Yeah, you guys you guys are killing it over there. And it's this this division is really interesting right now, especially at the top. And now we got we saw Shamayev just kind of get that incredible burst of a push. Now Shafkat Rachmanov looks like he's getting a nice little push. Go ahead. Same thing with Hamza. People are... Uh, after I said something about Wonder Boy, and then I said something about Masvidal and all these other guys, they're like, "Why don't you call out Chimaev? I'm realistic with shit. He just beat the number three guy. He's not. They're not making that fight. These. And then you got these fans writing, "Fight Luke," and I'm like ripping my hair out. Like, <laughs> take take four seconds. Go on Tapology and see that these guys. And even like people were writing Rachmanov. I'm like. Go do do a little <laughs> bit of research before you come on these fucking fighters' pages talking shit. Go look and see next opponent. Uh, <laughs> Magny and Magny's fighting Rachmanov. I can tell you June 25th, and then Jeff Neal and Luke are fighting 
August 6th or August 9th, one of those days. Like, I know every single date. I know the guys were booked or matched up. I'm not, Chimaev is either getting a title shot next or a number one contender. I'm, he's not fighting me, you know? Like, it's just, I have realistic expectations, but these fans are fucking, if you can call them fans, these trolls are ridiculous. It drives me fucking crazy. Like, if you want to get me fired up, like, I would want to strangle. Like, the shit that these people say, like, I want to grab them. Like, I just want to tell them, like, I could literally, they're like, oh, all you want to do is lay and pray on somebody. I'm like, I could literally kill you, and you couldn't do anything about it. But, so, like, I could literally hold you down, and you couldn't do anything about it. So, it's it drives me crazy. Up, oh, I lost you for a second. Yeah, you got me? Yep, you're on fire. You yeah. scared You scared Skype. I, I know. I, my phone started going. But, like I said, like, people just need to do a little bit more research, you know? And then even... At, then I was looking at the leech. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to take a, because he's a guy that denied me a few times too. I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to take a step back, I was like, I seen he was available. Boom. A day later, he's got an opponent. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? So yeah, it's 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 crazy. And then Poirier gave me a little a little something online. I'm like, I'll fucking fight Poirier if he wants to move up and nobody wants to fight him, you know? At this point, I'll fight someone's grandma. Like, I just need to get a fight. Like, I need, I need something. So, maybe you yeah, can fight uh, Michelle Pajeda. It's, it's frustrating. You can fight Michelle Pajeda. There you go. Yeah, and, he, and and even that, I'm like, I, I really want someone in the top ten, you know. Yeah. But it's gonna it's gonna come to a point where I'm gonna need a fight. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. What did you think of um, Hamzat versus Gilbert Burns? That fight was a freaking battle huh it's great yeah it was a great fight and uh but same thing with hamza like people uh were thinking like he like was this monster and he is don't get me wrong but he's human so like i seen people giving him shit online after his fight like because he had a tough fight i'm like dude what like we're fucking human beings like like people just think we're these like robots like we have families and shit like we got parents we got kids like people like and they just want you to go in there and fucking die. And if you don't do it, then you're like, you're an upset. So, but no, it was a great fight. I, I kind of thought it could have went either way, to be completely honest. If they would have said Gilbert, I would, I was completely fine with it. Um, but Hamza got it. And yeah, it was a great fight. Uh, yeah. And then even over the weekend, uh, Ponzinibbio and Michelle Pierre, that was a great fight too. You know, there's been some, this division's super stacked. So I know eventually I'm going to get a fight. So let's. You mentioned a couple of fights that are very close. This is a debate that I didn't want to ask you about, but everyone's being asked about, it and everybody's talking about it, and it's driving me crazy. But these two words are like you're talking about ripping your head out with fans. These two words back to back are causing me to rip whatever hair is left of my head out. Open scoring, open scoring. This has been the thing every week. It's a freaking open scoring tweet. I get it. I yeah. understand why people want it, but most people seem like in your eyes. Does it is that something you would want if you had the option, or does it not matter? Is it not something you're willing to kind of rest on that mountain with? Because there are people who are just like it's open scoring or death, and so when you know what I mean. Scoring, open scoring means everybody knows what the score is going. Like if I won round one, I it's like the, everyone knows, right? Is that is that essentially what it is? Like everybody will know that who's winning the fight up until that point. Yeah. And and then the and then so for me, I would honestly like it. 
but I'm not going to go out of my way to argue with people online, you know, saying, <laughs> I'm sure there's pro I'm, I, I, to be completely honest, I haven't like dove like too deep into it, but from what people are saying in the, um, to say that they don't like it is that a fighter would stall if they know that they're ahead. I could see that, but then you can also argue back where it's like, you can have two fighters stalling no matter what, if they, if one thinks that they're up two rounds and the other one thinks they're up two rounds. Like, so at least in the open, open scoring scenario, you know, like I'm up two or it's one, one. So then they're going to go at it. I don't know if open scoring is the answer. I think something definitely needs to change. And apparently none of us know how to fucking score MMA fights from <laughs> this past weekend. Cause I'm watching some, like I watched some fights and I'm like, this guy clearly won this fight. And then they say the other guy's name. And now everyone's coming out like DC and all of us like, we're like, dude, we're all fighters. And I guess we don't know how to score fights. Like maybe we all need to take a step back and go read the rules or do something because there's a, I didn't, I didn't watch the, uh, Holly home fight. I'm too tired, went to sleep, but, um, I, people are going fucking nuts about that online. There's two fights on that card that like Ponzinibbio and that one was close. It wasn't a robbery and it, it could have went either way. I yeah. thought, but I, I, I thought Eric Anders won his fight. I really thought Eric won his fight. So there's a lot of these close fights to where we got to, I guess, figure out what, what, what's supposed to score the most damage. Is that what it is? That is. Yeah. Like, and then takedowns, I guess, come into it, control and then stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough one, you yeah. know, because for me, like I said, sometimes I watch some of these fights. And then it's also, too, some of us are biased. Like, if you like a fighter a little bit more, because I've watched fights, and I, then I went back and rewatched them, and I've had completely different opinions. Like, uh, I remember when Aljo and Peter Jan, when, right before that fight was about to happen, me, my coaches, and a couple guys, we went back and re, we rewatched the first fight. And in your mind... You're like, everyone's like, Aljo got fucking set on fire. <laughs> we went back and rewatched it. And I, cause I remember, I was like, I think I remember it a little bit differently. I went back and rewatched it. He didn't get blown out of the water. Like people really said, like there was rounds he might've lost, but there was rounds he might've won. So your mind plays tricks on you in the moment. It's hard to, to just stick to something. And I feel like that's what a lot of people do when they watch a fight at first and they're like, this is how it went. I'm, I'm sticking to it. Instead of like humbling yourself, go back, rewatch the fight, and then give an honest assessment of what you think. That's what I think a lot of us really should be doing. And I think gambling factors into it too. Like if people bet money on yeah. people bet money on Holly Holm, they're lighting their streets on fire. But if they went back and watched that that fight again a second time on Sunday, which I did, I didn't think it was a robbery. Got torched for it, and then I went yeah. and watched the fight again on the next day and. I think I scored it for Holly at live 48-47, but I didn't think it was a robbery Vieira one. Watch it a second time. I scored a 3-2 Vieira. Watch it the second time. And look, you, you're you're man enough to say, like, all right, a little, a little bit different, you know? Like, people people get so stuck in their opinions or, like, they don't they don't want to go – they can't admit that they're wrong with something. Like, But you're 100% right about the gambling because I'll bet on fights, and in my mind, I'm like, I know that the motherfucker lost, but I'll, I'll, I'm like, 
please, please go this way. Please go. So there's so many, there's so many different factors, you know, it's, it, and then different States, like, I guess there's different rules. And then, so there's so much different shit. Um, I think there are a lot of things have to be changed, but who knows where there's so many problems. Like no one knows where to start. If they do open scoring, which I don't care if they do or not, if they do it. Yeah. My one thing is that none of the judges can know how the other judges scored the round. Like everybody else in the world can know, but the three judges cannot. I agree. Because like, let's I just say that. you, me, and Paul Felder, the three judges cage sided. Okay. You and Paul score it for fighter A, and I score for fighter B. The whole time, I'm think- as I'm watching round two, I'm thinking, wait a minute. Why, how yeah. did they score yeah. for fighter A? What did I do wrong? And maybe like in yeah. baseball, when there's a close play at first base, the umpire has the quote unquote makeup call. Maybe I have to like, yeah. I have to veer the other way just to make it even and make up for my apparent <laughs> wrong scorecard. Yeah, I wish we get the eraser. Nah, this guy won. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Um, I'll, I'm down. Like, fuck it, do it. But like you said, there'd have to be certain, like, do it like that though. Like, you can only see, everyone else can see, but the other judges shouldn't see it. And, but then there's, I, do these judges have TVs in front of them? No, right? Like, I'm pretty sure they're just watching it through the cage. There's so much shit that you, like, it's hard. That you can't see them on certain angles. Like, there's punches that it might land, but you, it looks like it landed on the arm. Or it didn't land. Like, if you throw, like, a barrage of punches, you're like, damn, this dude just got pieced up. But realistically, the dude blocked, like, every punch. So I feel like these, rat, like, the judges need to have, like TVs of like all angles, because at the end of the day, they're making the most important decision. Like you're, they decide if you're going home with both of your paychecks or not, or more importantly, that win or that loss on your record. So yeah, I just think there's gotta be some big changes. hundred percent. I, I think that's a big part of it. The win in the show, just one flat fee. Let's just call it a day. And then we don't have to worry about it. Like yeah. the scoring doesn't, we're not up in arms as much for you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if yeah, everything yeah. works out. Cause I know how much, the fighters count on that second paycheck. I get it, 100%. Yeah. Hell yeah. And like you said, even more, almost more importantly than that, if you don't win your your fight, your money stays the same. You're, you don't get the next, uh, you don't get that step up in opponent. You'll, and then like your contract, there's, there's so many different, you know, there's so many different factors. So uh, a lot rides on that. 100%. Lot, I think the fight should be even better if, like you said, if there was a flat purse, you're, you might go in there and fight a little bit might do a little bit different things if you know like guaranteed you're guaranteed this money whereas if you're like shit i gotta go play this a little bit safer because i got rent due next month i gotta do this for my kids i gotta do that so there's a lot to place into it 100 percent. sean brady grappling this saturday check him out uh fury pro grappling oh by the way back to the to the judging real quick didn't cffc try to do something different where they put like they didn't actually institute this but they had the three judges case side but just as like a experiment they put three judges like in their own soundproof room and to watch them yeah yeah they had them in the back i think ricardo almeida was actually one of them they had them in the back and they were secluded from everyone just so the crowd, because the crowd can play, if you're in like someone's hometown, like the crowd plays into it too. So I think they stopped it because um, I think they were funding it on their own and they got kind of, it could get expensive. They were hoping that the state would pick it up, but they just never did. You know, experiment. Like people were saying, experiment with the contender series. Why not go to another state and just do it and just, what's the worst that can happen? 
it sucks. All right, cool. Just don't and have the normal judges there, but have like another set of judges and s- compare the cards at the end. See what comes up. Try open score. Just try things. You know. Yeah, you got yeah, nine hundred shows. Just do it. Do a freaking looking for a fight or anything. Who cares? <laughs> Do, 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 do one or two shows and just see what happens. Do the Ultimate Fighter. At least you're trying yeah, something yeah. different with the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. I would actually yeah. probably watch an episode of the Ultimate Fighter if they did open scoring because at least it's an evolution from <laughs> season one. I mean, you probably yeah. watch Petrosky on there because he's a freaking character, people but hate, good grief. I can't believe how many people hate the Ultimate Fighter. I will admit, I'm, I, I only did watch recently Petrosky, and I actually watched last week's uh, Muhammad, um, Usman's brother, Usman, yeah. just because I seen there was like some confrontation, so I just wanted to see how the fight played out. But to be completely honest, I'm not tuning back in. It's terrible. Not a fan. It's a horrible no, show. Not a fan. It's a horrible show. Not a fan. Yeah. Now, if Khabib and Tony were the coaches, <laughs> I would tune in for that. I'd watch outside that. Yes. That, outside of that, I'm not tuning in. Yeah, that's why you do open <laughs> scoring. Just do it there. Yeah. Who cares? They're exhibition fights. That's even even another example of why you should do it. But we can talk about this for another hour, Sean. Don't miss Sean Brady. Fury Pro grappling this Saturday, taking on Ben Saunders. And hopefully, July, August, hopefully before the leaves start to change colors, Sean Brady is back competing inside the Hallowed Octagon. Sean, always a pleasure catching up with you, and man. I'm glad your nose is all better. I'm glad you're cleared and ready to go. And uh, best of luck Thanks, to you on buddy. Saturday. I appreciate it, bro. Thanks. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.